Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon with you here along with Eric Lopez. We've also got the student of the game, Kyle Nash. We have the college football hipster, Drew Glukov, with you. <laughs> I knew you would like that. You're Bryce the Turner's only person join us who later. uses that. Only person. <laughs> you know why I use it? Because it was the first one I remembered. Because uh, <laughs> you made uh, it up. It's a, it's a busy week. Of course. I'm, yeah, of course. The, uh, the, the Leroy Jenkins of UCF Twitter Mafia himself, Drew Gukov. I know that's the one you really like. Anyway, Actually, I prefer the agent of chaos, but you know, the agent. No, 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 no. I'm not giving you that the, one. The master of the non sequitur. See, the master I mean, of the non-sequitur. did I bring that up? That this non sequitur has happened at your hands, Drew. See what I did there. Speaking of non sequiturs, as I pull it back to teasing what we're going to talk about on this podcast, we've got football uh, getting their feet underneath them in a big way at Florida Atlantic and facing a beleaguered Georgia Tech squad on Saturday. We're going to preview that game. Uh, we also have a special guest on the podcast, Latavius Murray, joining us, one of five inductees into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame. Latavius joins us fresh off of uh, working out as he had just just prior to us talking to us had signed with the New Orleans Saints to go back to to, to go back to the Big Easy and uh, and play again. So uh, Kyle and and Bryson were in for that, and then later on, Bryce is going to join us to talk about. A whole grab bag of stuff. Basketball schedules, two ranked teams, soccer, volleyball, golf, breaking records left and right. Crazy week of UCF sports. But we begin with the good news. UCF taking it to Florida Atlantic, especially in the second half down in Boca. We were worried about whether or not this could be a trap game. Gentlemen, Kyle Nash is shaking his head because he's about to to throw something. Uh, But... Now, all of that stuff just d- didn't matter. It was a little dicey off the beginning. Florida Atlantic was up 14-7 after one. UCF kind of kind of clawed their way to a 16-14 lead at halftime. But then the second half, they just wore down the Owls. Uh, John Rice Plumley, best game that he's played yet. Uh, passing 25-36, 339 yards, one touchdown, one pick. It was really, that pick was really the only mistake he made the entire game. Uh, also 20 carries for 121 yards and two touchdowns. And I thought really did a nice job of taking what FAU gave him, not forcing the issue as it looked like he did at times against both South Carolina state and Louisville and drew, I want to get your take on that. But, uh, the bottom line is UCF gets a win 
And the Knights, what I think is actually really fun to look at right here, is that they are now tied for sixth in the country in total offense at 532 yards a game and fourth in the country in rushing offense at 273 a game. So the Gus Malzahn offense, Andrew Glukov, we'll start with you, is beginning to, I, it feels like it's beginning to take shape and John Rice Plumley is settling in very nicely after this game. Now, this is going to be a different test against Georgia Tech, but your observations from the FAU game. Well, I'm, I'm going to make people even more disappointed because it shows how lopsided this is. Defense is ranked, total defense is 19th in the country. So you've got uh, both units really ranked up there, and the fact they have that one in the L columns probably grinds a lot of gears. Uh, you know, look, looking back at this game, you know, the way it kind of worked Such out. Such a sunny outlook. Thank you for that. Oh, totally. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah, I'm, it. I'm a ray of sunshine. <laughs> absolute beaming with happiness. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the, the way this game started actually doesn't surprise me. You know, there was a lot of emotion going in, much like any any game that has in-state opponents. You know, there's players that play with each other in high school, you know, friends. And so, so uh, you know, Florida Familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah, and and you had a lot of a lot a lot of familiarity. You had a lot of emotion as this game started, and UCF kind of got slapped in the mouth. You know, Florida Atlantic came out firing. They looked really good in that first quarter, and then you had to wonder, like, okay, how long this is going to last? Then once things settled down, the emotion kind of got you know got smoothed out, and then it became just business. The talent difference started to show up, and you saw that on defense in the second half I mean, this was an absolute demoralizing domination in the second half with 18 total yards of offense mm-hmm. for fau in the second half zero in the third quarter zero in the third 18 in the fourth they got bageled after the first quarter uh, th- this was a, a good old-fashioned beatdown, and you see could have done more if they really wanted to uh you know they they were wondering if we were trying to maybe try to get another touchdown in there late in the game. I mean, we remember what Willie Taggart did in 2016, uh, South Florida against UCF, where instead of letting the clock run, he rammed it into the end zone for another touchdown to run up the score. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's people who uh, were actively, myself included, rooting for another score to go on there just to kind of twist the knife a little bit. But you Gus look at ain't some... like that. Yeah, and, and you look at – some of the pieces that that contributed new kicker Colton Boomer uh, was able to get in there as taking over starting kicking duties. Uh, Mitch McCarthy taking over starting punting duties. We don't think much about special teams. Special teams do make a difference. Uh, definitely played a very active role in how the Louisville game shaped out. Uh, we saw RJ Harvey getting the, the end zone. Welcome back. Uh, missed yep. last year to a bad injury. And, you know, we didn't get to see in the first two games. Got some time in, looked really good. Uh, like to see more of him and and maybe you know, you know, spell some of the other uh, running backs so you don't you don't have to over you don't have to overwork any one guy. And 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 John Rice Plumley had himself a a complete game, just an absolute complete game. You know, threw for a career high three hundred thirty nine yards on twenty five or thirty six passing, almost seventy percent completion, just a sliver under. For me, my my bar- my my baseline is 60 for him. If he hits 60%, I feel pretty good because 20 carries, 121 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Uh, yeah. That That is the other side. So, I mean, he played a complete game. 
you know, he was able to move the ball around. Uh, Baker, O'Keefe, Town, uh, Xavier Townsend, you know, talented freshman, all had at least six catches. Uh, Alec Holler was the opportunist and got uh, multiple deep passes, including a 64-yarder. And yeah, the and offensive seam, line he was wide open right yeah. down the middle. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, on that on that double flea flicker, you know, the kind of like the reverse one, uh, he was he was absolutely uncovered. But I, the offensive line really, really stepped up. Now you could say part of it is the competition they're playing, but a lot of it is they they didn't give up the mental stuff. You know, they had better assignment coverage. They they weren't letting the inside guy you know, take over his communication. You could see that they were adjusting for blitzes. I think that's a big deal, you know, going into conference play next week. Obviously we got Georgia tech uh, this Saturday, but next week you got a big matchup against SNU, which has just been announced as a sellout. So you, you need this stuff. You need to kind of tweak things a little bit next week as well. I, I, I felt really good walking away from this game. The defense was lights out and, you know, it's, I don't expect, you know, I, I mean, I have conversations online with people. And oh, just win. No, no. If you don't cover this Saturday, you should be worried. This game should be an absolute bloodbath. What's the number, not, Drew? I think it was 17. 17 and uh, a half, 18, depending where uh, you're looking Something at. in that range. Uh, if it's not a three-touchdown game, I would be very concerned going into uh, look, that conference look play. At, look at you SMU. setting the bar arbitrarily high. Love it. Love it. Putting a hot seat, baby. Uh, I want to go I want to go to the other offensive lineman in our lineup, Kyle Nash here to see to get your takes on this. I, but uh the other thing I like to to just a couple of numbers I want to put out there. Ryan O'Keefe was back, six catches, 74 yards. Would have had a touchdown except that one somehow ricocheted right off the number 4 in that that first quarter. Uh I I, don't, I still don't know how he missed that. I, I Neither does he. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine so. It was a weird first quarter. It was a weird first. And here's the other thing, too. You have 40 points. Okay, UCF actually turned the ball over in the FAU red zone twice. Mm-hmm. One of them was the fump, What was that fumble. Who was – I forget who it was who fumbled the ball. I think it was – was it Bowser? I fumbled the ball in the first possession in the first quarter? I think quarter? it was Richardson. Or it was Richardson. Yeah, That's was right. Richardson. It was Johnny. And, and, you know, I don't know what you chalked that one up to, but – the second one was the fumbled snap when JRP went under center. I think everyone was like, why are you going under center? And I want to give credit to the CBS Sports Network broadcasting, and in particular, Danny Cannell, because he pointed this out. You know, Say what you want about Danny Cannell on the radio, but he's a really, I think he's a really good in-game analyst. And he pointed out that the ball slipped out of Matt Lee's hand. Right. It didn't even get to John Rice Plumley. Right. So, you know, people was like, oh, JRP, why are you going to it didn't. The ball didn't even get to him. And I think it was part part of. It was really wet. It wasn't raining, but it was. You know, South Florida is wet and humid and just soupy and. You know, I mean that that kind of stuff happens. But that's like fourteen points. That, I mean, that could have been fifty four right there. So obviously, you got to clean that one up. Uh, but you know, I want to get your take, Kyle. On like we said, the offensive line they did the job. I mean, how much better would this team be if they're not spotting the opponent 14 points every week to cite the Louisville game as well with uh, penalties? But listen, I didn't need Danny Danny Cannell to tell the world that that was on Matt Lee. It's probably one of a few mistakes that I've seen him make in his career. I'm going to let it slide. If it's going to happen, it better be in this game. No, and and you mentioned the offensive line, and uh, Lokahi Payul actually mentioned uh, Lokahi Payul. Sorry, I said the O. Let me try that one again. Um, Lokahi Paole. 
Oh, Paolo. This is the beauty of having a PA Lukahi person on this Paolo. show right here. See? So, Lukahi, I talked to him on Monday um, at the press conference, and he acknowledged that this coming along with the two transfers at the tackle position, kicking Sam inside has been a process, but it's been moving in the right direction. I, I can make an argument that playing Louisville in wait week three, even compared to week two, for example, could have done more to to give them better production. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that that one week would have made the difference in that game, but let's say they meet later in the season. Yeah, I know it's not how it works. Something, something, conference play, fine. But at the end of the day, it's a whole situation there where I feel like that line playing a team like Louisville later in the season might go differently, right? Um, and listen, for all the, the storyline that Drew wants to bring up about emotion, I don't think it was emotion so much started things off as, as more uh, intellect being the problem, right? You had uh, you had JJB, Jeremiah, Jean-Baptiste uh, missing uh, due to injury, and you have young guys in the game. You have people, you have young guys playing out of position or newer guys that are transfers in playing in a different position than they normally would. And, you know, Coach Malzahn mentioned that that bounce back in the second half for the defense is as good as it gets. So uh, I, I think the defense is, is you know, for all that we want to talk about, John Rice Plumley doing Plumley things, um, that offense, offensive line taking care of business is really the big thing. And that defense, let me tell you, not getting enough credit for this particular win, in my humble opinion. Well, that's, I mean, and I think you're absolutely right about that, and they should, considering that they, they took out a very, very good uh, FAU offense coming in, and now they get to lick their chops for Georgia Tech. Drew, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I have to disagree with Kyle. I, I can't buy. Surprise, surprise. Hey, you well, two are disagreeing? Well, well, listen, but first are, of all, look at how you guys, you guys disagree not, almost as much look, as me and Eric. I, I, I can't buy the fact that oh these are young players. No, these are seniors. Walter Yates is, is not a new guy as far as being also uncomfortable. Transfers, Drew, pay attention. This, they played They're a while. Wrong. They're in a this different is, position, Drew. Enough. It's there not is, about emotion, Drew. You cannot blame. You can't handle tackling the on the fact that he's a transfer. That's basic technique. That's stuff you teach in it's middle school. System. You're still wrong. He's it's in a game different three. position. You You're are still one wrong. quarter into the season. The the fact of, oh, they're still new. You can't it's use that excuse anymore. Hey, stop moving the goalpost, and then you'll know what you're talking about. You're this is ridiculous, man. No, no. It's just Eric, it's, Eric is this what you look like? If I'm being if you're I'm getting that kind of crazy by game three of the season, wow. No, no, you don't that that's not a valid excuse. <laughs> they cleaned it up maybe within the same game. Now, maybe, Kyle, for, for like if it's a scheme issue, but there were technical issues. Those missed tackles are technical issues. That's not, uh, you know, being in the wrong place. That's just being in wrong as far as your technique goes. Uh, you can't blame that on the fact that you're a new, you're a transfer, you're new. These, these guys have played for years. That That's basic stuff. I, I can't, I can't buy it. Now, to Kyle's point, though, that doesn't mean your technique is good. Like, how do you uh, – well, in that particular moment. Been good. But, but what, what again, they've shown good technique. They struggled in the first quarter. They were making a lot of sloppy mistakes in the first quarter. Yeah, a lot like what of happens yards on an opening contact. go game when you're playing in a position you're not normally playing in. And then they shored it up when they got comfortable, Drew. I don't see why this is difficult. Well, <laughs> once again, you settle down, you, you get you – get, 
the, you know, you let the, the, the emotions get out of the way. And remember, emotions is a two-way street on this one. You have Florida Atlantic and their guys with the emotions. You can only carry that for so long. That that no, runs out of fuel. Point. It's like it's like it's like an alcohol fire. Burns hot, burns short. And then afterwards, you gotta it's gotta be business. And then the talent settled in because UCF is a vastly more talented team and took care of business. All the mistakes they were making early on, they weren't making. And it was all it was mental. Yeah, no one's on alcohol you. fires, Drew. I yeah, think we I, I mean, more details on that one. Well, There's, I mean, no, not right now, please. It's, it's based on your, your car <laughs> with 10% alcohol on it. And please, it's not no. your engine. <laughs> I, well, listen, as I was mentioning before, um, this defense now takes on a an opponent that they got to be licking their chops for right now. Georgia yeah. Tech is a wounded dog. Uh, they are one and two. Their only win was against Western Carolina in Atlanta. Uh, this is their first road game of the season. And the only two FBS opponents they've played, they lost to Clemson in the opener 41-10, and they got absolutely boat raced by Ole Miss last week, 42 to nothing. Jeff Collins' is, seat is, well, there's an alcohol fire underneath his seat right now. Um, there's a, uh, a, 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 there were reports that he could get fired this week. Right. Um, as soon as Tuesday, those reports didn't materialize. So as far as we know, he will be on the side. Of course, former UCF linebacker coach, Jeff Collins. He, as far as we know, he will be on the sideline on Saturday. Is that right, Eric? Yeah, as of uh, this minute, he will be. Uh, him and Todd, Todd Stansberry, the athletic director. Whether they both are still employed after Saturday remains to be seen. Well, uh, I, I, I feel, well, listen, I, I – I don't want to schadenfreude this at all, please, because like, like we know these dudes, like, and and it's tough. Like they've been through, it's, I and they know just as well as anybody that's a results based business, that doesn't make them any less human, you know. Oh. And, and well, it's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, this is sucks, Jeff, yeah. This is not a good year to be a college football coach and coaching at your dream job because apparently you could get fired because Jeff Collins's dream job, or to, to be a former UCF coach coaching at your dream, job. or that too. Um, Jeff, this was Jeff Collins' dream job at Georgia Tech, and uh, it just hasn't materialized. He hasn't won more than three games in a season. Uh, they just offensively – remember Jeff Sims played against UCF 2020? We were debating, man, this kid's got a bright future. Yeah, it turns out yeah. not really. Um, and, you know, Brent Key's still on the staff. They've Their offensive line's been a disaster. They've tried to add transfers that hasn't worked. Uh, the special teams – do you realize they've had three blo- uh, punt blocks already this year against them? already that's that's not good you know coaches that jeff collins also is involved in that uh that's not good so their defense has uh, also been really struggling too like i'm looking at the defense which is 113th in the country in total they got outgained by western carolina they were outgained by them and that's not a good program no No. and and you know there's been a lot of talk this week about scheduling and all that which is fun um but here's a case on paper, geography, brand, oh, this is great. Except Georgia Tech on the field is terrible. Might be. <laughs> and to Drew's point, I've looked this up. You can make the – this is probably going to end up being the worst Power 5 team that's ever played at Bright House. You got to go Boston College in 2011, went 4-8. and eight. At least they had Luke Kickley on the team you could watch. Missouri – At least was, they won four games. At least they won four games. Jeff, I'll defer to you. If you want to go before bounce house, the other team was Syracuse at 02. 
that weird game. They weren't in, this bad. Right. I don't think they were no, that, that bad. That Syracuse either. team wasn't that bad. They made a bowl no, game that year. They were not Yeah. Okay. So, no, this could be the worst team ever, which to Drew's point, the only way this FAU result means anything is if they carry over what they did in the second half over to Georgia Tech. To Drew's point, if they struggle against Georgia Tech, FAU means nothing. It's meaningless. And that's, you know, the question is going to be, does that team show consistency against Georgia Tech and put them away early, dominate like everybody else has done to Georgia Tech, and, you know, perhaps help push the door out, unfortunately, for Jeff and company there. You look at Georgia Tech at UCF, at Pittsburgh the next two weeks, they could easily be one and four. I don't think he coaches uh, after that if he's one and four, to, to, to the point about Jeff Collins' future, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, Eric, let me let me let me piggyback with this as far as the preparation yeah. with all that and all this this extra pressure we're putting on a on on a, on a group that's should be a rollover. When asked about Jeff Sims by the media, uh, Devad Wilson was on the mic. He said, uh, "You know, what do you think about Georgia Tech now that you've seen tape a little bit?" It's like, well, uh, don't really have anything to say. We're more concentrating on ourselves. I think that tells you everything. Well, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's really <laughs> let's, tough. Oh, let's oh, read between the lines on that one. Ooh, Holy ooh, smokes. that hurts. Wow. I mean, there's bulletin board material, and then there's that, which is a gut punch. Wow. Yeah. Okay, no, Drew. We're talking about. You could you could read more of the detail on it uh, on blackandgoldbanneret.com, where I have the preview up there uh, from the presser and see the clip there entirely. But just hearing him say that, I, I, I didn't say it out loud, obviously, because I'm in the room, but I was like, Damn, you know, so hey. yeah. well, I mean, there's been talk. There's been talk whether Jeff Sims should get benched. Uh, they have a transfer quarterback out of Akron. I forget his name right now, but he's the backup. Some people have been clamoring for him to play. Yeah, he's more of a drop. He, he's more of a drop back quarterback, though, which is not good with their offensive line. So, I mean, they're just a mess. But that you know, Kyle does bring up a point. Does this team and, and it sounds bizarre to say. Do you overlook a power five quote unquote team? Because you've got a big game the following week against SMU, which drew you it's, it's sold yeah, out. He had, and, you know, Devad should have said, yeah, we're just trying to figure out who's starting uh, for SMU next week. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. SMU for you. I will say this. Like, I, I don't, I don't take pleasure in, in seeing, you know, guys that we knew and, and did great jobs here at UCF, you know, struggling at this point. But, you know, like you said, according to Odd Shark, and I want to take a look at this. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, it is what? a, wow. The line is up to 20 and a half. Woo! Money on UCF, Drew. They it listen opened, to you, Drew. Boy, they listened to Drew like three minutes ago. That's all Drew. And, Drew, uh, that's fast. And <laughs> this show makes one hundred percent. One hundred percent of the money is on is on UCF right now. I, I listen. That doesn't listen. The other eighty five guys on Georgia Tech they're on scholarship too. We're Are they? Find out exactly how much pride they have. Yeah, in, Georgia Tech is it may not be a great football program. It's a great school. Well, let oh, me ask you. In all seriousness, Jeff. Let me because you covered that state. Yeah. How much of their struggles has been the fact that Kirby Smart has just cleaned up? recruiting wise at Georgia is that a factor is this a it's, tough job at Georgia Tech what, what it, what's the issue it, there? it is it is a tough job because your brand is more national obviously George at Georgia Tech you get Georgia Tech is kind of like Georgia's version of Duke you get more of your recruits out of state um you're you're not going to be a true football powerhouse and the only really people that really care about you are within atlanta and you're not and the lead it. dog in your market yeah you're not uh, yeah you're, they're not the lead well 
Yeah, nice pun there, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, it, they're no, they're they're basically they're they're the Duke of Georgia. And I'll right? see that so, you this: it's a small factor, but one has to point out within the past what decade or two here the rise of the Georgia State program. They've made some bowl games of late and have elevated one of themselves. That's yeah. yet another thing with which they compete. Yeah, Georgia State, Georgia Southern. I, Georgia you know, Southern, too. Let's not forget about that program that was a, was a long-time oh. 1AA powerhouse, moved up to F, FBS, and has and carved a very nice little niche for themselves out in Statesboro. Well, not only that, but then you have the other, the other Sunbelt programs like Appalachian State, Coast of Carolina, who will come as far down as Georgia to recruit because there's plenty of talent to go around there. Uh, but eventually you start getting th- – it's not – obviously it's nothing compared to, to Florida where you, you know, people from all around the country come to, come to recruit. Uh, you know, there's just – eventually there's, you start running short. And, you know, Georgia Tech was fun to watch in 2020. Of course, they had Jameer Gibbs at running back, and now he's over at Alabama tearing it up. And, you know, I can see why he bailed because, man, this that place is a mess. Yeah. The problem is, though, you could say they're the George, the Duke of Georgia, but the Georgia Tech people disagree with that. They won a national title in 1990 with Bobby hey, Ross. Had a lot of success. Right How with, weird that was, is it? But that was, that was 1990 what's, with Bobby Ross. But what's bizarre is they had success with Paul Johnson in the triple option, which right. people are like, how can they run that in Georgia? That's ridiculous. Well, maybe they, maybe Paul Johnson knew what he was doing. I Who knows? Maybe being different. Uh, but ironically, George O'Leary had a lot of success. George O'Leary, I believe, is doing the coin toss this Saturday. I mean, he has to. He's this is UCF Georgia Tech. At least that's what I've heard from birdies uh, people there. But you know, you mentioned Duke. It's kind of weird. Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, all three and up, all basketball schools. <laughs> like the Twilight. But, I mean, but that's the other Final Four. Well, the, by the way, to the point to Stansbury, the other problem he's got is the football team's not been good, and the basketball team's been mediocre. They've made one NCAA under Josh Pashner. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech prides themselves on basketball as well. That hasn't materialized either. So that's why I think they're both kind of in trouble. Plus, Stansbury gave Jeff Collins a seven-year deal. I think the buyout would be $7 million if they get rid of him after this year. So I think there's some people that are like, why did we sign this guy to this lengthy of a deal? Especially since apparently people wanted, uh, uh, the word is right now that the people they want is the guy from Coastal Carolina. Uh, uh, Chadwell. Dadwell and Bill O'Brien are the two names that are being popped up a lot at Georgia Tech. Uh, some people are mad because I guess Collins couldn't get Jeff Levy a few years ago to be the offense corner. So there's a there's a lot of turmoil going on over there. Well, Just a hard we don't talk about sell. basketball in Georgia. It's still too soon. Okay. Wow. A- <laughs> Jeez. You know what? That's true. It's a hard program to sell. Uh, I mean, like Levy's at Ole Miss. So you're gonna go to you're gonna Ole Miss Georgia Tech. I- you know, Lane Kiffin. Oh, right, no, right now. Right. Yeah. yeah, right now. I'm talking about, talking about right now. Jeff uh, or Jeff Collins, Lane Kiffin. I mean, who are you going to work well, for? What's unfortunate about UCF in this regard, again, on paper, when they signed this deal to play them, uh, and I bo- was, now, This game is delayed from guess when? 2017. 2017. Yeah. Right, when, <laughs> when, when, when Scott Frost didn't want to play in Atlanta and, and all that stuff. I don't even want to rehash all that. No, 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 no. The game was supposed to be here. Right, right. No, but there well, were. They, the reason they, why, Eric, is because he sent all the players home. That's right. Because, you know, that's the, that's a good way to stay undefeated. Um, 
we're going to lose that. Georgia Tech was a terrible team in 2017. Right, right but you terrible. could have played the game if you played, moved to Atlanta, and then you could have played the youth, the home game in 2020, although that turns out it was a good thing we didn't because that, that's a whole other story. So, but You would have had like two days to plan the game, you know, plan and practice because well, okay, you have to but get don't, all your you know, yeah, but now, don't at point At that point, it's, it's not worth it. I, I think okay. UCF and Scott Frost made the right move. Correct. I'm not saying either, they did, way. but the point is this was supposed to be on paper a big deal home game, and it's not because Georgia Tech is terrible, which proves two things, that the way college football schedules is stupid. Like, just do it a year out. Don't do this nonsense eight, ten years. It's ridiculous. And number two, just because you're playing within a region doesn't mean it's a good game. Well, 2020 proved that they can schedule fast. We right. saw it happen within a 72-hour span <laughs> yeah. with BYU and Coastal Carolina, and it turned out to be a good game. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, the North Carolina series is no different. That was signed after the one-loss season with Mitch Trubisky. Right. And then they haven't really done all that much. And Sam Howell kind of kind of busted a bit. He was never – he was supposed to be the guy over Dylan Gabriel, and he never turned the corner. Uh, so, I – yeah, you know, it, it it's just the way the the system works, and and you're right, they're it's broken. I I don't think now regarding Georgia Tech as a program, I don't think it's fair to say that you know they're that they're you know, that, that they're never going to get back to where they're. Let's let's not forget this is a program that went to a bowl game every year from 1997 all the way through 2014. Uh, Paul Johnson, his last year, they went to a uh, bowl game and then he retired. Um, they're la- they went nine and four in 2016. That was the last time that they, uh, won more than seven games, but they did go 11 and three in 2014, lost the A's- ACC championship, went to the orange bowl and won it, um, and finished eighth in the country. So, I mean, it can be done at Georgia tech. I, I, I think that's the, 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 that's something that we have to remember, but like you said, Eric, they're not getting it done this year. And so hey, this maybe it's a real opportunity for UCF to, you know, maybe make some headlines. Hey, look, wow, look what UCF did to Georgia Tech, right. assuming that they get that they handle their business. That's right. right. Hey, maybe, maybe Georgia Leary will take over and be the interim coach the rest of the year if things go oh, really bad. Huh? At Georgia Tech. Bring it. Go full circle. No, no, huh? no, no. They're gonna they're gonna do what they didn't do at UCF, and Brent Key's gonna be the guy. Oh, yeah. That's, oh my <laughs> gosh. Anyway, moving on. Let's move it on. All, All right. Well, we made the Scott Frost joke before the Brent Key joke, but here we are. Yeah. All right. Uh Eric, uh TV for this game. What do we got? ESPNU, because Georgia Tech is so bad, we can't even be on ESPN two. Um, Kevin Brown and a former Georgia, speaking of Georgia, Hudson Mason, is that, uh, or, or, yeah. uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. The, the analyst with Kevin Brown for the game on ESPNU four o'clock kick. Uh, that's why it's a four o'clock kick. Cause it's on ESPNU next week. SMU, by the way, the uh, drew mentions it's a sellout three 30 kick. It's either going to be ESPN two or ESPNU, uh, depends on how this weekend does, uh, how UCF does. And then, uh, the other game, how that does too. So, uh, Kind of some channeling fighting going on to see if you could get better slots because there is a difference between ESPN two and ESPN U. A significant difference. Yeah, uh, you mentioned by the way, Kevin Brown. That is not former Florida Marlins pitcher no, Kevin no, Brown. No, I should is, mention. Well, this is the voice of the Orioles, Kevin Brown. That's right. Uh, which, by the way, doesn't doesn't really release any confusion at that point. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Gus Malzahn, uh, this would be his first win over Georgia Tech if UCF wins. Uh, and we are, by the way, we are slowly but surely, guys, encroaching upon 200 
FBS wins for UCF as a program. F the FAU game is number 186. So next, fingers crossed, next year, first year in the Big 12, you get the 200 FBS wins. Uh, Georgia Tech leads the all-time series 3-1. And uh, yeah, this is, but this is actually the first ever meeting in Orlando. These teams have never met outside of Atlanta. So, um, the best laid plans. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, nothing you can do about that, right? I mean, you can only control what you can control. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is it, my whole MO on this game right now. One foot in front of the other. Do exactly, keep doing what your offense is supposed to do. All right. And be sharp for the start of conference play. Because as I've said before, and Eric, I know you agree with me on this, control what you can control. Yeah. And well, and the I mean, control is what you do in the conference. Well, yeah, again, it's always the conference. It should always, yeah. is always your primary goal. If it's not, you're doing it wrong. Well, and again, you want to see what you build on the second half against FAU to carry over to Georgia. Unless Tech you're an you... independent. Sure. Well, then you're doing it wrong because there shouldn't be any more independence. <laughs> <laughs> no, Notre Dame with different. Unless you're Notre Dame. Yeah, Jack Swarbrick will show right. you his bank account. Yeah, uh, but, so anyway, so yeah, carry over from the second half over to the uh, this game. That's what you need to do and get ready for SMU, which is an explosive offense. Uh, you know, I know everybody's crowning this UCF defense as like the 85 Bears, but let me wait and see how they do against a real offense next against SMU. Yeah, I love that. You know, Elo, and I, I was I, I said this, I think that was uh, with Mark, our friend Mark Moses that um, that's right. Uh, what they do, this group against SMU, yeah, if they can hold up there, they could start making that case. Of yeah. being one of the better defenses in the past. I agree. I, I agree. I that's agree. SMU's got the leading nation's leading receiver. They can throw the ball. I think Rhett Lashley's one of the best offensive minds. Uh, that's everybody because we knew who his quarterback was, even though he claimed he was uh, there. It is. It all goes full uh, circle. Uh, Everybody uh, wonders why did you? Earlier, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Just for that nugget. <laughs> Although I should say, you know, SMU did lose to Mar lose at Maryland last week. Yeah, I still don't that? know what to make of that. That is that is crazy. Um, it's not a I'm, great. Well, you could say that about everybody in the American right now. I Why mean, did you lose to this team? You know, it, it, it doesn't matter if it's college or pros. There's some weird things going on. I mean, look at the Miami Baltimore game. I mean, that was weird. That's and, right, you know, Tua baby. That's what it's called. It's Tua oh, era. Was it weird if you're Eric Lopez? He loved that. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> doesn't make it any less weird. He just likes the results. Darn right, I do. Uh, and and SMU, by the way, right now, uh, as you were mentioning, Kyle, 12th in the country in total offense, but I think the issue is they're 74th in total defense. Right. And oh, and credit the crowd. Again, this game's already sold out, the SMU game. So all this right. now, it proves that you don't have to be, quote, unquote, a power five to sell out the place. No, I know. I, it, the I, football I, I, sell well, out. We prove, well, we've proven that before. We've proven well, that before. You know, really, um, gentlemen, I would be remiss. Eric, you asked the question about looking past a Power 5 team. Here's my response. If in 2018, Kenny Pickett and the Pitt team can sell T-shirts about beating a G5 school, you can look past a P5 school. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, you're right. Today was the, the three-year anniversary of that, that game. Yeah, thanks oh. for that. Appreciate it. What saw it on I Twitter and had to, had to watch that play over again. Well, watch some I, of the really let the red show you chose to watch it well well we'll see how many more power five teams we get to play we'll get to play hopefully more down the road aren't we jeffrey well we, have yeah, we should be able to dude, yeah. dude did they show the picture of how proud they were that they sold out that t-shirt I'm, I'm just checking I... no that came that came after the game okay they, they had to get the final score printed first all right <laughs>
All right. Well, again, uh, 4 o'clock kick, ESPNU for UCF against Georgia Tech uh, at FBC Morgan Stadium. Uh, game nights are up. We're going to have – we're going we're, we're gonna to give it the full Monty again, boys, aren't we? We've got uh, – uh, we're going to have our roundtable coming out uh, tomorrow. We're going to do uh, – we, we got our we got Know Thy Foe already going, so uh, we'll probably update – well, I'll probably update that. We've got a few other things going on too, right, Eric? We've got our uh, – uh, we were set night, up for night shift. Night shift coming off a of record-breaking numbers where Kyle and Drew went back and forth. They, Kyle will be there. Drew won't be. Uh, but there'll still be a Eric always touting the numbers. Always right. touting the uh, Should be a fun night shift. I should be back. I'll probably – I might be making a cameo at the football game, but I'm planning on leaving early. So we need to blow this out by the first quarter so I can get out of there. He's going to leave at halftime with the rest of the students. Oh, no, I'm going to beat the students to the rush and get for probably before that. But anyway, oh, man. I have a real reason. I got to get ready to host a show. Let's, I don't not, know what count, let's not count our chickens before they've hatched. Hey, I'd like to point out, I did do a night shift once last year from my car. We, did, we, we did an Eric and I did an entire episode <laughs> yes, of this podcast did. from yeah, my it's car. Nothing new in this Remember show. that? The Cure Bowl? Yeah, and if Brian Murphy's listening, he's like, so what? I did the I did multiple years version on the car and I, he, I, he did a show from a parking lot at the trop when when he in which we were kinda in retrospect, I don't think we were responsible allowing him to do that, but anyway. I, look, again, that was his choice. It really was. It was kind of insane looking back on it. Are you I mean, okay? Could... I remember we'd ask him, Are you okay, Murph? Like, yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, I'm good. Burning a parking lot. Banging on the door. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be worse. It could be uh, his uh, experiences at Tulsa. Oh, yeah. Fair. Yeah, that's, that's... Fair. All right. Uh, well, it's again, 4 p.m. kick, UCF, Georgia Tech. Uh, and then. That's it for non-conference play. We dive in in full conference play tw- as of and again as of when we're recording this, which is Thursday, early Thursday afternoon, one o'clock Eastern time, Thursday afternoon. The number for this game is UCF Woo! by twenty Woo! and one half. <laughs> That's big number. I mean, man, this this, uh, this could actually be more of a trap game than FAU. Ever. It really is. It really is because UCF's never been this big of a favorite over a Power Five team. Maybe Pittsburgh eighteen, maybe or seventeen. I don't know. I don't even think they were that big of a favorite. Right? Twenty point favorites over Pitt. No, no, no way. No, no. Yeah, the game at home was in eighteen, but I don't think they were favorites by that much. Woo! Twenty, but That's a the, the game you were thinking of, Kyle, was the game at Pitt in nineteen. Yeah, yeah, I got right. the wrong. So, I, I, right, right, I got the year yeah. wrong. But anyway, Either way, the three elements are there: heavy favorite, struggling team, more oh. important team the next week. None of this stuff where you pull it out of the sky for FAU. Not mentioning any names, but if you don't do it that way, you don't know a what a trap game is. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, God. Come wow. on. Kicking a man or our boy Noah Goldberg while he's even, down. That doesn't even qualify as a dad joke. No, that was pure spite. I- <laughs> yeah, pure spite. Shout out to Noah, who, uh, who by the way, Pink? dropped some great photographs. He, he, now, he, full disclosure, he's an FAU alumnus and, you know, was touting all week to us about how, watch out for my owls. And for a while, it looked like he was right. <laughs> but second half second half nights turned it up and uh yeah i mean well let's listen let's let's keep this thing going let's keep that train moving in the right direction here all right so uh ucf georgia tech for when we get back we got a special guest the tay train latavius murray joining us here on the black and gold banneret podcast 
to talk about his career at UCF, his lengthy NFL career, which has just resumed this week uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Ten years in the league. Tay comes in fresh off a workout to join us uh, as he's heading up to the Big Easy to uh, rejoin his old teammates with the New Orleans Saints. Later on, Bryson Turner joins us to talk about everything else. But coming up next, Latavius Murray, UCF Hall of Fame inductee as of Friday, Latavius Murray, right here on the Black and Gold Banner App Podcast. We're back after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right. So here with the Black and Gold Banneret, I am Kyle Nash, a student of the game here. Normally you would hear Jeff Sharon or Eric Lopez in this particular role. But nonetheless, you have the student of the game here with Bryson Turner. And we are bringing in, I'm excited and honored for this particular guest above a lot of other guys we talked to. This is going to be a, a very fun time here in UCF history as we induct Latavius Murray into the UCF Hall of Fame. Um, welcome aboard, Latavius. It's good to have you. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. So listen, obviously we mentioned you being an inductee here to the UCF uh, Hall of Fame. Um, I'll give you the simple question. What's the feeling, man? How, how much of an honor is this for you? It's uh, it's a huge honor, man. Um, you know, just to think, uh, you know, what was it, 10 plus years ago, uh, you know, that I was going to school, you know, for the first time to, you know, as an 18 year old kid that, um, you know, was just excited to go uh, and play some football at the next level. Um, yeah, but to be able to leave, um, you know, the school and, you know, in a, in, a, in a major way to be able to be recognized and be a part of history, um, just definitely a cool feeling. And you mentioned being part of history. You, you know, you're, 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 you came in, you had a, a significant wins with uh, the football team, the Liberty Bowl. That's such a big part of what's going on there too. I know a lot of people talk about 2013 and that year with Bortles and the Fiesta Bowl and all that. And then you got uh, the, uh, the Peach Bowl after that. But you being kind of the guy that sets that foundation, what's it like to see the football program evolve and progress as it has on uh, uh, accomplishments that you and your teammates did uh, during your career? Yeah, that's, I mean, look, that's, that's, that's what, exactly what we, we hope for, exactly what, uh, what we wanted is the reason why we went to UCF. I know for me, um, amongst others, we wanted to go and create tradition. We wanted to, uh, you know, create memories, um, you know, make history. And uh, and we were able to just do that. And I think, you know, the fruits of not just our labor, but even, you know, it took for those who, you know, UCF wasn't anything, right? It took belief from those guys to choose that maybe over some others. So, um, the fruits of our labor amongst those in the past um, is obviously starting to show, man, and we're we continuing to put UCF on the map. Uh, Bryson, you got anything for Latavius? 
Yes, I do. You're getting inducted alongside Joe Burnett, who I looked, I looked this up. You were a teammates with him and Burnett in, in his senior year and your freshman year. I just wanted to know um, if there's anything about playing with Burnett for that 2008 season that you remember and what's the feeling to be inducted alongside him? Yeah, Joe, I mean, he was, uh, you know, explosive, explosive athlete, um, a hard worker, um, and, and really a great leader. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget that. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of respect for him, um, especially just as a young kid. Um, he was definitely someone that you um, you looked up to on the team as a leader and the way he went about uh, the game um, on and off the field, honestly. He was just a good dude. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm honored, I'm happy, uh, um, you know, to just be uh, going inducted with someone that I played with alongside, but just, uh, again, somebody of his kind of caliber. So we obviously with the news yesterday that you just got signed again with the New Orleans Saints, put, putting on their practice squad. Um, first of all, how does it feel to be back with them? It feels good. Um, you know, just uh, felt it's been a long time coming, just, you know, sitting at home, waiting on an opportunity and, uh, and just grateful that, um, you know, they, you know, believed in, in bringing me back and I'm just excited to, you know, get to work and just, uh, you know, you know, put the work in and, 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 and be ready for an opportunity. So you and several of your college teammates, the reason I asked about that is you and several of your college teammates have made it into the NFL at AJ Boyer, Blake Bortles, all of them. What does it feel like to have a, as many, as many college teammates as you have make it into the NFL with you? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, just a cool feeling. Um, I think we all remember what the grind was like, um, you know, together at, at school. And so, um, you know, just for us all to, you know, uh, you know, live out the dream and making it to the next level and be successful at the next level. It's just, uh, it's just a cool feeling, man. Uh, you know, you just appreciate the time we had together, but, you know, you appreciate more what we've, we've all been able to, go on and do at the next level and uh you know um you definitely you know you cheer harder for those guys because you put that that work in and and you know it's like family so um you know I enjoy watching uh you know my UCF brothers go out there and, and do their thing you know mentioning you mentioned going out there with your UCF brothers now let, let's take this more to you a little bit is there a particular moment accomplishment or 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 any sort of I'll, I'll guess I'll say memory that, that you w kind of carry with you that you're the most proud of. Like when you're, when you're there about to uh, give whatever speech or whatever it is you need to give at the induction and you're thinking to yourself, you know, this happened. And I know that's a big reason why I'm going to get inducted to the UCF hall of fame. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely, you know, the, the Liberty Bowl speaks fixed out, you know, 10 out of 10 every time. Time and uh, you know mainly because um, you know the first bowl game in UCF history. I think the opponent, right, and being a Georgia and SEC school, um, and uh, it, you know it was a low-scoring game, and you know I was able to you know score a winning touchdown that you know went on to seal the game for us. So um, you know that just was a you know a huge moment for for school history, which in, in turn honestly was a big moment, maybe the biggest you know, up to that point for me in my life. So um, just real cool um, to be a part of that. Um, and, uh, you know, that was a, 
definitely a great time and, and one I definitely remember looking back at UCF. Yeah, no, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Latavius, because uh, uh, listen, I went, I went back um, in '98. That would have been Dante Culpepper's time, you know, and they were this close to going to a bowl game, but the final game of the year, the second half, it just didn't go the way it needed to for them to win that game, and then they missed a bowl game. And when you guys went back, all that agony, finally, I'm like, hey, they made it yeah. to a game. And then you took care of business with Georgia, which, listen, nowadays taking care of business with Georgia, that's a tough thing, you know. Yeah, man. So with all that, it's great to – yeah, I could definitely see why you would pick that moment. Um, let me go this uh, direction with you, too, here, because while, while I have you uh, such a, a, a sage of both now the NFL and college football – um, you know, I was talking to to Brian Young, Bryant Young, who was recently inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame, and I'll pose the question to you the same way I did to him because I think it's relevant. When they talk about longevity in the game, everybody brings up Tom Brady, but he has five guys paid to keep him from getting hit. Mm-hmm. You as a running back, you're going to get hit multiple times each play or expect to at least get hit like that. What's the key to keeping longevity the way you have in the NFL, brother? Yeah, man, just uh, I, look, I just got done, you know, hitting the cold and hot tubs, stretching, um, literally while I am uh, was late to the Zoom call. But it's uh, I think that's the key is just, uh, you know, finding a routine, um, knowing what works for you, uh, knowing your body um, and really just kind of attacking every day just as 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 a fresh start to, you know, you know reset you know, get your body right as, as much as you can and, you know, in that day and, and, and go out and tech today. I think that's, uh, I really think that's all you can do. And so I've been able to uh, figure that part out, um, you know, and for the most part, stay healthy. And it's, uh, it's definitely helped me and kept me around. Hey, we're more than happy to give you a few minutes to help your routine. If it gives you a few more years on your NFL life, but it's all right. Bryce. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. I was looking up some stuff like yesterday about how because I remember I remember you back when you were on the Raiders and I was like oh man this Latavius Murray guy is gonna be great for my fantasy football team. This was before UCF was on my radar at that point in time. But after looking at the UCF players in the pros, noticing that you are right up there in terms of longevity in your NFL career. If you count this season with the Saints, it would be I believe your ninth season which only a handful of NFL players have played nine seasons or nine seasons or more. So how does it feel, especially as a running back, given how usually short the uh, short of careers that position gets to, is, do you feel about being in the NFL for so long, especially as a running yeah. back? Well, Bryce, I gotta, I gotta let you know, this will be 10, you know, so uh, now I'm messing, but uh, um. It feels good. Look, like, you know, every year for me, it's been a blessing. Every year that I, you know, get to throw on a uniform and play at the highest level, you know, in in, in my sport, um, honestly, like, you look at it and, like, what's better than that, right? People dream of this. Um, you know, I know I dreamed of it. And, uh, and I'm able to live it out. And I'm able to live it out still at, you know, the age of 32, uh, playing, you know, at the position that I grew up playing and loved playing. So, I have no complaints, man. I, I'm 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 just appreciative, um, and just appreciative for another year, honestly, to to go out there and do what I do, love to do. No, hey, I I we love watching you, man. No, we we love to hear it's going. We're looking forward to number ten being a successful one. Um, and and yeah. with all the expectations the Saints have to have a, a pretty solid year, you know that's got to be exciting 
as well. But keeping it kind of with the NFL side for a minute, you know, listen, you've, you've been playing football for an extended period of time, right? You, 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 uh, you've seen the way that the game has changed, not only at the college level, but then during your time in the NFL. So as somebody who kind of, the, the sooner the game isn't just a clever moniker for me, Latavius, I like to pay attention and see what trends and stuff are setting. So what do you, uh, what would you say has been the key for you to stay flexible as, as offenses and how that has, has changed throughout your career? Like just as an example, quarterbacks used to all look like Blake Bortles. Now the way that they look is completely different when you look at some of the top guys, right? You have yeah. uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, guys that are a lot more mobile, don't just stand in the pocket and, you know, yeah. protect it. They go and they're a lot more dynamic. How does that change what you do on the field as a running back? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I just think uh, with every season, uh, you just, uh, you know, create more wisdom, knowledge for the game. And so, you know, I've been able to, you know, take what I've learned, uh, you know, heck, in college. Um, and then once you get here, you collect those years up, man. And, and you just, you got a, you know, you got a natural feel for the game. You got a, a knowledge for the game. You got a wisdom of the game um, that kind of will never leave you. And so when you're able to take in these different offenses and maybe apply what you learn from all the others, it's just so much football you've seen, uh, so much football you've been a part of. And I think that's helped me kind of wherever I'm at. Uh, to be able to pick it up fast and go out there and play fast. And and end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? How quick can you learn? Um, how fast can you, you know, go out there and play and apply it to the field? Yeah, no, that's definitely an underappreciated concept, the, the intangible part. Like, it, it's not just, here's a playbook. This isn't the matrix. You don't just plug something in and it's just there. You got to actually work through and hit that, uh, hit the books at night and stuff to get caught up. I'm with you there. Bryson, what do you got? You mentioned learning Latavius, and I would not be surprised of how much you might have been able to learn off the field as well, because you basically played in every corner of the country from the West Coast in Oakland to the very north in Minneapolis to the south of New Orleans and, and UCF to the northeast with Baltimore. So what's yeah. it been like to be able to kind of, you know, live in so many places across the country over the course of your of your football career? Yeah, it's been fun. Um I think it's been really, you know, it's been cool. Honestly, if I look at it, I just have had the opportunity to uh, experience, you know, uh, different regions, different cultures, uh, different fan bases. Um, um, you know, and I think, you know, just the more you're, uh, the more you experience, the more you're, um, you know, more thrown at you, uh, just allows you to be able to connect more. I thought, I think honestly, so I've, I've, I've had, uh, you know, the uh, opportunities to play, you know, kind of all over. And I think that's just been um, a benefit to, um, you know, open my eyes and, uh, you know, allow me to really appreciate uh, what this game has kind of done for me. Yeah, no, that's 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 awesome. I, I'm knocked back a little bit by that because Bryson asked as a very interesting question that you have very unique experiences from that. See, this is why I'm paying attention. And when you when you talk with Davies, I'm taking notes here and learning things. But speaking of learning things, you know, you, you have a number of, of coaches and influences throughout your career, obviously. I mean, John Harbaugh, Sean Payton, among uh, you know, your your time at UCF with George O'Leary, who any of that, who are some of the coaches, some of the players, some of the people that help influence, you know, kind of the 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 uh person and football entity you are today? 
yeah. Uh, you know, um, I think I, I've learned and, uh, and and took from all. You know, I think uh, you know, even with Pop Warner in high school, man, it was it, I was able to. I think we enjoyed the game a lot, right? It was so fun. Um, I don't ever look back at a time of just like, man, I did not enjoy that. Like high school was a lot of fun. So I, I, I'm thankful for that, that that's, that allowed me to want to even continue to play, play at the next level. Um, you know, college, right. It was ramped up and, and it got real serious, right. You had to take weight training serious. You had to take film. You had to take, you know, the game a lot more serious, right. Um, it wasn't just strictly fun, you know, at least not until game day. So the knowledge of my game, I think, really began there, um, you know, in the in the, the X's and O's of that in college. And then, uh, and then once you get to the league, you appreciate, you know, uh, you know, the great minds of the game, you know, coaches, like you say, Sean Payton, uh, you know, Harbaugh, you know, all of them, um, you know, the players, uh, great minds like Drew Brees at the position, but then great – athletes like Lamar Jackson and Alva Kamara. Um, so just, uh, you know, again, man, just I've, t- I've been able to take, uh, you know, all my experiences in the past and uh, it's really made me who I am. And it's really made me um, just appreciate, you know, where I've come from and, uh, and, and, and allow me to really enjoy, you know, where I'm at today. Okay. Bryce, did you have anything else? I do. Um, I want. So, what was it like to get that call from UCF about the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame? Because I remember reading somewhere about how the, how a, a local Hall of Fame up in your native New York, uh, I believe, yeah. notified you for induction, and now you're getting inducted yeah. at your college. So, what's it feel like to be to to when you got that call? Yeah, it felt good, man. Just uh, you know, like again, this when you you know, when you, when you're a young kid going to school and, you know, you're just trying to, you know, figure it out. You're just trying to, um, you know, find your way. And, and you hope that man, when, when I go into the situation, I make the most of it and I, I do my best. And, um, and then you fast forward years later and you're, you're, you were a part of uh history, right? You did, you did well enough that, um, you know, the school's a, you know, going to recognize you as one of the best to play at that, at that, uh, you know, uh, university. And so it's just, um, just a humbling feeling, um, you know, one that you just never expect going into, but, you know, one that you just wake, walk away with, with more appreciation because of that. And, uh, so I'm just, you know, really grateful that I was able to leave an impact. So obviously with the news that you can, are, have returned to New Orleans just recently as yet, I believe yesterday, if I remember right, yesterday mm-hmm. when we record this, you, um, you, cause with the hall of fame induction coming up, I know I checked the NFL schedule. You guys are going to be on the road against Carolina on Sunday with the induction being the Friday before that. So I just wanted to ask, to ask uh, what your plans are in terms of that. Yeah. My plans are to still make it. Um, uh, yeah, my, my, my plans are to still be there in attendance. Um, we got, yeah, Friday, uh, prior to that, we don't leave out until Saturday for, uh, for Carolina. So, um, um, I should be in attendance for that. Awesome. I mean, look, we are absolutely happy for you that you'll be, that you're still, be, that you're still with an NFL team, which is well-deserved given the work that you put in 
but obviously with the news that you were inducted, it's uh, I just wanted him to check in on that. Really appreciate, really appreciate that. No problem. Yeah, man. So uh, with that in mind, before we take off, if there's anything else you want to shout out or, 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 you know, let people know that you're working on or anything else on that over and above maintaining a lengthy yeah. NFL career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, um, um, there's this new, uh, sports nutrition company, um, uh, that I, uh, started working with, um, about two years ago, uh, called Endurfin, um, and that's www.endurapin.com, endurfin.com. Um, it's a real innovative product and, uh, yeah, just check it out. Um, I think you guys, uh, find it real interesting. Awesome. Man. Well, before we go, Bryson's got one more question for you. Latavius, is there anything that you personally would like to say, uh, say to Night Nation ahead of your induction? Yeah, um, just uh, thankful for all the support uh, from day one. Um, you know, the the time at UCF was like no other. I honestly say it's the best. It's the best school in the world. I had the best time in my life, and uh, just uh, appreciate all the support and love. Um, you know, since day one of getting there and since leaving, honestly, still to this day, uh, the support has been, uh, you know, unreal. And uh, I'm just uh, thankful and I appreciate everybody. Uh, yeah. And listen, they definitely you definitely deserve the love thrown your way because you are a huge part of the program getting to where it is now pending. Uh, well, if there is still a power five with all the movement in college football, I mean, whatever whatever is going on there, UCF is going to be a big part of it. I, I hate yeah. to sound so uncertain with it, but listen, man, you've seen the news. You got the Big Ten and the Pac-12 playing together now. What is yeah, this? it's a lot of movement, man. But but uh, we'll be uh, we'll be at the top of uh, of all of all of it, real 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 soon. There you go, Latavius Murray, talking with us here at the Black and Gold Banneret. Appreciate your time. I had a lot Thank of fun, you. and hey, listen, don't worry about it. A few minutes for a few years on the NFL career, we're good with it, bud. It's all good. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. That was UCF Hall of Fame inductee running back Latavius Murray. And listen, th that's actually the first time I met him. Some of the guys here on the panel right now, of course, this being Kyle Nash, the student of the game coming in. I, I have to tell you, I knew – I heard good things about Latavius Murray and how humble a dude he was, but confirmed in that discussion and over above his accolades. Listen, cool guy to talk to. I had fun with it. I love that dude. I, I, I and his pathway, you know, I, I just a great redemption story. And then I can recall watching that game. And you guys remember that game in Oakland? I forget who they were playing where he ripped off the 90 yard run. And I'm like, Tay has arrived, man. <laughs> and it's like since that no it's 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 great to see like that moment for a guy when they burst onto the scene and everyone finds out what we've already known right and it's just a well-deserved honor um for a guy who was just a, who is a real workhorse and you know I, I I've told um I remember telling Joe Burnett about this and we talked about it, like the thing about Latavius that I think everyone forgets is like Latavius is a big dude. Mm -hmm. He's a big dude. He's six three. Like, good luck tackling that. I don't want that job, and I'm six. Nope. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. No thanks. No thanks. Appreciate that. No, I'm so I'm so happy for him. He 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 deserves it. Um, Central New York kid. 
you know, almost went to Syracuse. You I know, wondered it, if that was coming. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I initially transferred. I think, if I'm not mistaken, right, he he committed and then decided to come back. So. At the end of the day, the UCF community better for it. And, like, I love the part where we ask him, you know, yeah, you weren't part of the, uh, air quotes, big games in 13 and 17, but still just very honored to help build the bridge um, for those and to where we are um, observing UCF as Big 12 members here upcoming. So, just, again, a testament to the guy being just a genuinely cool guy. I, I don't know. I don't know if we picked it up in the interview. He actually apologized a couple of times because he there was a little bit of a miscommunication and he was humble to us being like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I forgot about this. Like, man, you're the guest. We, it's all good. You know, in the name of keeping a 10 year NFL career going, it's OK if you needed a few more minutes to work out, bro. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like we're not going to. Yeah. I mean, you got a league to go play for. You know, <laughs> it's totally fine. Anyway, congrats to Tay. Um, best of luck as he embarks on yet another season. Hope we get to see some more of him. Uh, my person, uh, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of UCF fans out there have him on their fantasy team. I'm sure he'd make a great midseason pickup. Uh, Eric active Lopez, roster, active roster, active I mean, roster. Right. Look, in all seriousness, no, forget the fan. I mean, Kyle, they need him. I mean, the Saints, you know, Kamara's been banged up. Mark Ingram has kind of struggled. I think there's opportunities for him there. That's why the Saints got him. We'll see how that plays out. But he yeah. could play a role for them. No, I, I no, no doubt, too. And listen, I've, I've mentioned on the Student of the Game podcast that the Saints need offensive help. They're a defensive team right yeah. now. Yeah. I didn't think I would see in this decade. But, <laughs> you know, here we are. Hey, Plus, the congrats. dude always looks good in black and gold. I'm just not going to There you him. go. I mean, hey, but it's true. By the way, congrats to him, Joe Burnett, Linda Gooch, Mackenzie Otis, the softball ace player. And uh, Christina Sarf, the first rower to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. We interviewed all of them. That's on the Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel right now. We also have the articles on the theblackandgoldbanneret.com as part of our Hall of Fame week. So congrats to all of them. There'll be a ceremony on Friday night. I will be there to cover that. And then they will be honored at the football game uh, at the end of the first quarter, except Latavius, because, well, you know, he has business to take care of. He's, he's a little busy. Uh, is uh, indisposed at the moment. All right, congrats, Latavius, and thanks again for uh, joining us on the podcast. Best of luck in New Orleans. All right, when we get back, Bryson Turner is going to join us, catch us up on a busy week of UCF sports. We got golf, we got soccer, we got volleyball. We even have we got two some, ranked teams. We got two ranked teams, and we got some basketball schedules to talk about as well. Kyle, so, don't pull your hair out right now, please. I know. Just <laughs> keep it all there. All right, we'll get to it. Stick around. We'll be right back. We are back here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Joined by Bryson Turner to talk about what we have going on uh, around the world of sports. I want to start off Eric Lopez and Bryson Turner with the uh, basketball conference schedules being released. We had the non-conference schedules released earlier. But the uh, non-conference schedules are out for our last ride in the American. So the schedules are out are, are out in full. If you go to UCFnights.com, you can kind of plan how you're, how everyone's going to, you know, how you're going to go. Um, Lord knows we're planning ourselves, right? But uh, a couple observations on the on the conference schedule. Remember, it's not a true, you know, uh, balanced schedule, right? So the men, you know, play two games each against uh, uh, Wichita, Houston, ECU, Memphis, Temple, Tulsa, Cincinnati, and South Florida. 
and a sink they play a single game at home against SMU January 8th and a single road game in New Orleans uh against Tulane. Uh the women on the other hand <clears throat> they uh their full schedule is out now. Uh they uh will ho- uh let's see they will host Tulsa January 7th for their conference home opener. Uh, and uh, let's see, Eric. Do we see who their single opponents are? I haven't. I'm. Running I believe Houston's one of them. Houston's, Houston's one, one of them. them. Yeah, okay, yeah, so, yeah. and then, uh, and we'll, I, I we'll go through the rest of it in, in a little bit. But I want to talk about the men's schedule first. What do you think about uh, about how that worked out? I know it's only two games out of the entire conference slate, but did they catch a break there? Well, I mean, I don't know about catching a break in this league. I mean, there's yeah, always... Yeah, ca- catching a break would be like playing Houston once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's positives and negatives always to the league. I mean, first of all, you're starting off hosting Wichita, then you go to Houston at ECU, then host SMU. That's not easy. Uh, I mean, there's a stretch here I'm looking at in February where they're at Cincinnati, then they go to Wichita, come back, host Tulsa, Ugh. then go back to Memphis. Ugh. So... um it's hard to say, you know. I mean, I it's hard because we don't know. Some of these teams may surprise, may not. Uh, you know, there's a stretch. You know, so you know, it is what it is. It's the final schedule of the American. I think that's the the big news there. Then non-conference wise, you know, now that we have the full schedule, you know, the big stories. Obviously, you go to Bahamas. You've got Oklahoma State. So you're going to get a sample mm-hmm. of the Big Twelve. You're either going to play DePaul or Santa Clara. You're hosting Miami and FSU. Obviously, FSU, a couple of notes, FSU is the night before the football game at Tulane. Mm. Uh, so that's probably going to hurt attendance a little bit because I have a feeling many UCF fans will make that road trip. And then uh, Thanksgiving week, I hope everybody does not spend any time with their families because UCF's going to have a busy slate of, ba- of sporting events going on that week. Uh, capped off by UCF Miami at 5 on set Sunday after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Thanksgiving weekend's always busy, right? I, I like the uh, uh, obviously the Mizzou game on Saturday, December seventeenth, down at uh, FLA Live Arena in Sunrise. Is that what it's called now? FLA Live Arena. All right. Yeah, it's called uh, names. I know. Um, it's never had like a non-corporate name. Uh, home for Stetson, and then you start Wichita, and conference play starts actually the weekend before New Year's. Usually we wait until after New Year's Day for the conference play to start, but they started a little early this time around. That is a rough slate to start out. Home Wichita at Houston at ECU. Um, well, especially you know, the Wichita game. What's significant about that? There's probably not going to be a big student turnout because of yeah. the holidays. And again, that's right around bowl time, so you don't know where mm-hmm. football is going to be playing. So that hurts uh, the best. So they act. You, I actually would rather if you're going to start in December. I'd rather be on the road in December. Uh, for yeah. conference then at home because you're not going to have the full home court advantage. Senior day is going to be March 5th. That's a Sunday against ECU. Uh, South Florida comes to town Wednesday, February 22nd. Since he comes in the game before that, the 19th, we go to Tampa January 21st. So that's a Saturday noon noon game too. So uh, you can check that out at, at uh, UCFnights.com. Also, the women's schedule uh, is fully out. Three of their first four at home, um, and they're starting pretty. Uh, I I think this is a good move personally. Starting pretty light in terms of opponents, given you know how you have a lot of new faces on this roster. So they're home Winthrop, home Mercer at Campbell, home Louisiana Monroe. Uh, they got a Thanksgiving tournament where they host Sanford and Southeast Missouri State. They're home for Sam Houston, 
Then they go, started December, at Auburn, home Seton Hall, at Tennessee, before they finish home You got to do PA for Seton Hall. You got to do PA for I would. I I would love to do PA for Seton Hall. Let's go. Uh, And then uh, home for Texas Southern before conference play starts. So uh, I think Coach Messer was very deliberate in her in how she arranged the schedule to try and get her roster up to speed in that what what the coaches call the preseason leading into uh into conference play because there's going to be a lot of kinks that are going to have to get worked out right yeah that's an understatement i think it's yeah you're going to schedule nicely there you do have a trip to tennessee that's going to be a return trip from last year you do go to i believe auburn they go to Yep. Uh, so they Two do have SEC a couple of games. games. <laughs> Other interesting thing, by the way, make a note of this. Some double headers with UCF basketball, men's and women's basketball. Opening night, for example, is a double header with the women playing at six. And then the men's going to follow after that game. So we're probably looking at an 8 eight thirty tip for the men's opener against Asheville. There's also double headers on the 27th November. There's a few other double headers. So uh, I don't know if that was coincidental on purpose. Uh, either way, just that will affect your scheduling a little bit. I know Kyle is pulling his hair. That's why he's not in this segment. Just the thought of it. He's already pulling his hair. It was entertaining watching him trying to figure out what games he's covering, what he's not uh, from that standpoint. And then conference-wise, you start at SMU. Uh, you go to Houston. Houston doesn't come here. The tradition, unlike any other, UCF goes to USF on a Sunday, January 22nd. I want to say that's... <laughs> What playoff Sunday, divisional yeah, round, maybe? That, I no, I that might be uh, championship Sunday. I think uh, you have to double check that. Either Sunday. way, it's ESPNU uh, game there, so they get some uh, the ESPNU treatment there, and so and of course you finish your last regular season conference game is at Tulsa. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, which you know, it's uh. gonna be that's interesting because. Do you just go straight from Tulsa to Fort Worth for the conference tournament? Do you come back all the way to Orlando, then go all the way to Dallas? I mean, who knows? But that that's something they'll decide, I guess. I think they're probably, I, you know, if 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 I'm looking at it, usually they started the women's tournament. Uh, well, I'll double check when they when they start the women's tournament. By the South way, that Florida is comes here. That divisional is divisional week, yeah, divisional yeah, weekend. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but uh, again, the uh, Americans. Uh, basketball championships, and I wanted to pull this up uh, real quick while we had the... South uh, Florida comes here, by the way, February 15th, as far as the women is concerned. Uh, We'll see if that is the final time these two programs play or not. Uh, We'll see. Okay, women's basketball tournament in Fort Worth, March 6th through the 9th. So I'm guessing that if they're at Tulsa March 1st, they're going to come home. Yeah, they got time. Yeah, they can yeah and then and remember the championship game is the same day. The women's championship is the same day as the men's first round, just like it was last year, remember? So I, I like that. You know, I kind of like having like that sort of like basketball convention feel to it. I also like the double headers because you got you know there's always going to be fans who show up you know late for the women's game in advance of the men's game but I like that because the crowd builds obviously I'd like everybody there for the So do you think that's you th- in their you think entirety they, but think it, it does help down the stretch if it's a close game so do you think that's part of the strategy with some of the doubleheaders UCF's got this year with men's and women's basketball? Is that part of the strategy? Strategy? I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, okay. I, 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 I'm I, kind of old school like that. I like that. You know, it, it's – we haven't 
for a long time we didn't really do that. Like I think in the when we were in the A Sun, we didn't right. Do that. Yeah, very rarely has been done. This year it's pretty frequent. Yeah, uh, which like usually I said, like we had how, like yeah. It's USA, I think too. We would do like the women's games would be on like Friday and Sunday, and the men's games would be Thursday and Saturday. But I I. I like I said, I'm old school. I like the doubleheader thing because does that mean you're doing doubleheaders too? Like, how does that work? Uh, you're no, not, necessar- not necessarily. Not right. necessarily. Tommy right. will do does women's. I do I mean, Alexander, a boy. Here. Yep, yep. But uh, but I'll, you know, if he can't make it, I can fill in. So, and I've done that. Are before. you like standby as soon as he's out? You kick him out. You just say, hey, get out of no. here. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I stay until Tommy's right. done, and All then right. I go All in. Right. Because that's right. to, that's that's Tommy's show. He's, he's all right. We'll find out. Great. Opening night. Opening night. Six uh, eight thirty doubleheader among a few. I think it's three or four doubleheaders this year with UCF men's and women's basketball. I will be curious to see how that goes from a crowd flow standpoint. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, let's talk about volleyball. Boy, what a weekend they had. Uh, going out to Kansas, winning three, beating number twenty three Kansas, sweeping them, sweeping Kansas. Holy smokes. And I thought they'd be out of gas because they went five with Omaha the night before, and now they're and now they're sitting at number twenty-five in the AVCA coaches poll. But the big story of the weekend: McKenna Melville, number one all time at UCF in kills. She finally broke the record. She did it on Sunday against Lipscomb in Lawrence. I'll admit. Kind of anticlimactic because there was nobody in that gym. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. to witness no, no history, either, yeah. and it wasn't streamed live, unfortunately. Listen, props to Kansas' sports information staff. They they had cameras ready for us to capture that moment. Uh, but McKenna is now number one all-time in kills. They, they actually gave some time to give a little – Kansas gave her the game ball. They had a little ceremony afterwards congratulating her, which was cool. Uh, we'll see her, we'll see them back here at home, not this weekend, but next weekend, because they're starting conference play this weekend, which we'll get to in a second, but number 25 in the polls, remember Eric in in 18, when they had that long win streak, that was the last time they were ranked, and it took them a while to get into the polls, now they're in it this early, and I know you're going to say polls don't matter in volleyball. I get it. Don't ask me. Don't tell I me. Agree. Tell Todd. Tell Todd that he went Todd, off. Listen. Check out our uh, Black and Gold Banner YouTube channel. He went off on I know. On that. <laughs> I know. I know. But you know something? It's still a cool achievement. I agree with you, actually. I, I'm for it. I mean, especially with this program to get some, you know, get used to being in the top 25 because this will pay off long term when you get to the Big 12. Right. And, you know, and start getting more recognition that way. Uh, so yeah, look, I think it's always good to be in top 25. I think they got a good chance to stick around in the top 25 for the rest, most of the year, if not the whole year, but obviously you mentioned the story, McKenna, obviously breaking Renata Menchikova's all-time career kills record. I don't think anybody's going to touch this record in a, for a while, if ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty significant. You're right. The unfortunate thing is, and you've brought this up in the past with volleyball is there's so many points that go on and players are just focused on each point that. There's, it's not like baseball or softball. When somebody hits a milestone, they take a moment and stop, give them yeah. the ball, celebrate, acknowledge it on the crowd. In volleyball, you don't do that. I mean, we saw this opening night against Syracuse when she hit the 2,000 mark. I don't think we uh, – you got – you acknowledge, what was it? It was acknowledged till the next time out or something right. like that? Right, right, and she got two kills. Now, now I'll admit there's kind of two things to that. Now, we've acknowledged some milestones in the past right after they happened. I remember when Jayla Hervey – 
got her 1,000th kill, she went right back to serve, and we immediately said something, right? And so, But we didn't stop the match to do any sort of ceremony, right? We just mentioned it. Uh, and then after the match, they presented her with the game ball. Uh, this one, it, it, it was, it, it, they didn't stop. They just kind of kept playing. And there's, and part of that is actually by McKenna's request, which, uh, you know, which we will always honor because she's such a team player. I mean, she really is. I know that sounds like a cliche. She's like, the first thing I, I, I remember talking to her preseason, I was like, I was like, what do you think about all this crazy stuff that you're about to do? And she's like, I got, all it means is I got good teammates. That's all it means. And, you know, they set me up. You know, and she's, you know, she's saying the right things, right? So, right, but like, I mean, this is and not she told just us, some... she's like, I do not want to make a big deal about this. Well, too we're bad, like, we are. I know, <laughs> I, I, that's what I told her. That's exactly what I told her in the preseason. I was like, look, we're going to make a big deal about it. Well, so it's not every day this happens. This may never happen again. The last time we right. had somebody 2,000 kills was 25 years ago, back in an era where it was a lot easier to get kills. Now it's not. So she should get celebrated for this. I don't know if they're going to do that when she'd come back home. It's kind of, it's unfortunate it didn't happen at home, but mm-hmm. uh, it's still pretty cool to to have this achievement for her part of a, and you mentioned the 2018 ranking. I have a feeling this won't be the last time this team gets compared to 2018 because I think as this season plays out, there's going to be a lot of comparisons to 2018 as far as, res, you know, who's the better team plus, you know, hosting possibilities. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the one thing that I want to make sure that we do is let, let's is to get farther in the postseason than 2018. That remains getting stay, getting healthy, staying healthy, and getting that and, and like you said, handling your business. Uh, Bryson, they certainly go Friday, got not. Uh, I was uh, going to say we go, we go to Friday and Sunday with uh, at Memphis and at SMU to start conference play. So uh, this should be something that they take care of rather rather easily at this point no i would say so i mean the good the american i think is a little bit of a better conference than it was last season i would say but i wouldn't wouldn't be shocked but i'm not look i'm not saying better by a little bit not by a lot i think it's still a one big league with ucf Uh, no i think it could be two houston has a chance if they finish strong in the league yeah the thing that's Memphis hurting the is l- off to a good start though too. They're ten and three. Houston's ten and two. The- SMU seven and five, which is SMU's the key match here. So yeah. on the unofficial RPI, SMU's in the sixties, uh, which is the third best, which is not good for a league. The thing, to your credit, Jeff, the disappointing part has been Cincinnati. They're off to a horrible yeah, two start. Two and eight, they're last. Yeah, they wow. they're the opposite of UCF. They can't buy a five set win uh, at all. So the league is down because of that, which kind of makes the room for air a little less. And, you know, now UCF's got to go on the road at Memphis, which has a new stat. You know, they're playing with new players, new style, all that. And then SMU, to me, that's their Super Bowl. SMU, I think, has to win that game to get any have a shot at all at making an as an at-large for the NCAA. So I expect yeah. SMU, actually, to be a tricky match there. Because remember, there's no postseason tournament. Last word, Bryson, real quick. Um, UCF has already gotten off to a really big start so far. They're one of six undefeated volleyball teams remaining so far in the NCAA. They lead the country in hitting percentage. And I looked this up for my nightcap article that's currently on the blackandgoldbenrat.com. But McKenna Melville's all-career all kills mark, she is 465 kills ahead of second place. And that girl played in three more sets in her career than she did. And mm-hmm. she's the, to put in perspective how big this accomplishment from McKenna Melville is, or or as uh, the UCF volleyball team has coined her, McKenna Mel Kill. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw that on the social media. That's <laughs> I, I, I wanted to... Uh, oh, by the way, did you guys see Kansas and Texas last night? Texas is number one in the Wednesday country. night for those listening. Or Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday night. Kansas, number one in the country, was down two sets to Kansas, or, or was up two sets on, or, no, Texas is number one in the country. Down two sets to Kansas, came back and won 15-9 in the fifth. You know, now the RPI does factor in how many sets it takes you to beat or beat or lose to someone, but Kansas really could have helped us out with a dub. Big time. I mean, Kansas right now, unofficial RPI is 24. If they beat Texas, they skyrocket yeah. into the teens, which was huge for UCF. That which would, would have huge. rocketed UCF up into Right, right, right. Which is why, I mean, we'll get into this more in the weeks to come as far as the RPI and some of the question marks there. The bigger thing, though, long term, Big 12 volleyball, Wednesday nights. Get used to that. Because yeah. starting next year when UCF's in the Big 12, Wednesdays, and Fridays are mostly the schedule for Big 12 conference games. Drastically different than the America, which I personally like, Jeff, because my philosophy is if you could avoid football as much as possible, do it. And and, <laughs> and what a coincidence. They're now, you know, all these volleyball coaches are complaining about, we don't have enough coverage. Arr! Well, guess what? It's amazing what happens when you don't play on a football Saturday or Sunday. You get TV time. Hey, what a concept. And I, and I think ESPN will push more volleyball as long as you play them in the midweeks and i think the big 12 will be a big benefit of that next year yeah. and this year yeah no that's that's that that'll be that'll be big i i, I kind of I, I do like that although may have a re- very real effect on when we can record our podcasts hey Just man saying. earlier in the week is fine thursday me. thursday and early in the or week a recap week. right we could be the post game show we could be the unofficial yeah. post game show volleyball we could right or thursday mornings i don't know, I don't know. Yeah. we'll figure that out all right uh <laughs> Let's talk a little soccer. And uh, I want to start with uh, the men uh, in this case. We have a team that right now is at 4-1. They beat Temple 4-0 to start conference play. Uh, And now they head out to Memphis Saturday, 8 p.m. before they come home for FAU. Remember, FAU is a conference game now this year because FAU is in the American. Um but a good start, exactly what you want to do to start out, right, Bryson? You get, you, you know, start conference play. Even though you're on the road, you go up there, beat the tar out of Temple, and now you're off and running. And it feels like Luca Dorado, who kind of was had some injury issues a little bit, you know, it kind of got off to a slow start. He's 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 in fifth gear right now. Yeah, uh, you, you you couldn't really have said it better. Dorado is now one goal off from getting into the top ten all time in goal score in goal scores in a career. He's at twenty two goals. He's got to get one more, and, and he went off today getting to pa- getting a pair of them against Temple. Robbie Sornellis got his first goal as a night. Congratulations to him. Uh, I mean, Temple, let's face it, isn't exactly very good at men's soccer, but the fact that they routed them the way that they did that, that's it's taking care of business in a big way. What I think is very interesting though, is how conference play began throughout the rest of the American conference, because Charlotte is current is currently undefeated at seven and oh, right now they just started conference play with the win. FIU went and beat Tulsa to start conference. That's big. Yes, that's right. So that, remember, FIU. Well, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. FIU won the uh, the one conference USA last yeah, year, right? Yeah, yeah. they did. So, they did. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, this is big. The regular season. Well, here's the big uh, thing about the American and UCF. We talked about the questions about the volleyball in the conference. That is not a question in the American and men's soccer this year. You realize right now, and it's unofficial because it's not public, but there's websites that cover this on a daily basis. Right now, the American conference is the number two strongest conference in men's college soccer right now behind the ACC. Wow. That's and here Charlotte, which Bryson mentioned, they're unofficial twenty-one RPI. Memphis eighteen RPI. FIU yeah. thirty-four. Tulsa four. SMU nine. That is remarkable. The most bids this league has ever gotten in men's soccer is three. They've got a chance to match that and maybe even surpass that. So if you're UCF, that's murder, you, man. Holy, it's smokes. it's rough. But if you do well in league. You set yourself up very well because the non-conference for UCF outside of Wake Forest hasn't panned out like they would like. Their week, their, their schedule strength is not going to be strong. Some of the teams they've scheduled haven't turned out to have a good start to the season. However, because the league in the American is so strong and the additions of Charlotte and FIU in particular have helped, they're going to make their resume based on how they do in conference. And yeah. that, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. So, hey, take a bow, Mike Oresco. You got the second best men's soccer league this year. Real, real quick, Bryson, before we get back to you to wrap this one up. Like you said, Charlotte, 7-0. and uh, UCF at 4-1. and This is overall records. Memphis, 4-1-1. and FIU, 4-2. and Tulsa, 4-1-1. and SMU, 4-2-1. and That's six clubs right there. You know, and then there's a big drop off. South Florida, FAU, Temple, UAB. None of them are. All of them are below 500, and none of them have won more than two games. But as far as the top six, that's why. Like it's uh, like this. That's that's legit. Go ahead, Bryson. So the other big thing is that you, this men's soccer team, even though I would say that overall their their schedule for the for the beginning of the season was a little on the weak side, their performance against Wake Forest, who I believe is ranked number one right yeah, now. Yeah, right number one. Yeah. Yep. Um, their performance against them has helped them get into the top 25 at the number 23 spot right now. And now coming up, they have this gauntlet of an American schedule. I'm looking at Oct- October is going to be a murderer's row for this. <laughs> yeah. SMU at home at FIU, you get a break, a break probably with at UAB, but then you go come back home to host Charlotte, and then you go out to play Tulsa to Ooh. end the month. That is <laughs> That's five well, we're brutal gonna, yeah. games. Yeah, we're going to know if this team's an NCAA tournament team or not after that month. That stretch yeah. right there. You know, yeah. Well, they only have one regular season game after. But that, hey, right in South Florida. But, <laughs> but that's the cool thing is you. The advantage of playing in a strong league is you can you can play yourself in or play yourself out. Right. And uh, you know, probably cool that they're ranked twenty third. They get the they get their respect quickly there. So good for them to be back in the top twenty five. Women's soccer right now stands at two two and four. They're on a four mat a four game winless streak right now after they beat Florida Gulf Coast and they had the North Florida game canceled. The two games that they lost, Ole Miss and North Carolina, but they tied their last two at Memphis, scoreless tie, and then at Texas, a 2-2 tie. We haven't seen Kristen Scott since, I believe, the U- it was it the, the, the Utah Valley game, Eric? Is that right? Uh, well, she was warming up for Ole Miss when we saw her and oh, that's she went right. down. So that's the last time we literally have seen her. So that's uh, so, so winless pitch. in four games without her. And and I went yeah. back and looked at the numbers and UCF in the last since COVID averages 
or came came into the Texas game averaging only one averaging one point eight goals per game with Kristen Scott, but zero point eight goals per game without her in that stretch. Um, as we get to the point where they're now in, heading into their last seven games, all of them in conference, and they're home for Cincinnati uh, a week from uh, or, or next week, the uh, Thursday, the 29th. They have 11 days off after that Texas game in Austin. Um, they got to find something here, either get her healthy or find something. But I think they did find something in that Texas game with Deanna Martin, who's been knocking on the door all season, and but she's but she's she's breaking through right now, isn't she? Yeah, she is. I think she's been great off the bench. She's kind of like that six-man version in basketball, like a Manu Ginobili type that just brings energy and explosiveness off the bench and some scoring opportunities, and that's what she's done. You know, obviously, you look at the last two matches, the Texas match, which I got to watch on the Longhorn Network because for some reason I have Longhorn Network. Hey, I'm not complaining. I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh it was a fun match. It was a really well-played match. That's the one that's going to sting, though. You see, I've had the lead. They gave up a goal at the end of the first half with about three minutes to go and gave up a goal with four minutes to go up two to one. Otherwise, they would have gotten a big win on the road at Texas. That's what this team is missing right now is a marquee win. <laughs> they have marquee draws. Um, yeah. But I don't, you know, but Four of them. <laughs> and, you, and you brought up the Kristen Scott factor. That is significant because, you know, the committee sometimes does look into that, like, hey, they're with how do, how do they fare with this player versus without this player? So we'll see if that could play a factor down the road if UCF is in the bubble in the official RPI that came out this week. They're 49 in the RPI, which is right on the bubble. You cannot mm -hmm. get more on the line. So you're right. They got it. They got to get wins, and they got to start with Cincinnati next week. We'll get more into that next week. That's the team that you could argue really took them out of the NCAA tournament running last year when they knocked them out at the end of the regular season, upset them at Cincinnati. So, can they get Kristen Scott back after this lengthy period is critical uh, because they are a different team when she's in when she's playing because she is a she's a a goal threat they they don't have. You know, it, it, I'm not saying other players can't pick up the slack and score, but Kristen Scott is a gifted goal scorer, which you can't teach. Mm, yeah. Uh, Mallory, Mallory Olson has been picking up the slack, as has Diana, like you said, off the bench. But, you know, again, it's, you know, Kristen is the Gretzky of this team right now. And I, I, and I agree with you. Boy, it would have been a real confidence booster to come out of Austin with a W. Uh, without her, I think that would have been a real confidence That's one booster. that's going to sting. If, yeah, because like, yeah. Yeah, that was a well-played. And they had a chance to knock it out. Like Donna Martin hit a post that would have put him up three to one in the second half. So yeah. that's one that's like, oh, you just, you wish you would have had that. The Memphis draw is actually a good result. Because, you know, Memphis is probably the team, you, them and SMU, you're going to have to deal with in yeah. league play for the conference title. So a draw on the road there is not too bad. The Texas one, you're going to wish you had back. They probably wish they had the first 20, 25 minutes of the old mismatch too. Uh, yeah. That's how close this, because, you know, that that's, those you swing those two matches, we're having a completely different conversation as far as their postseason outlook right now. Right. Well, here's the slate. So September 29th, Thursday, 6 p.m. That's next week against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's 4-1-3. and three. They've had a bunch of draws too. Uh, they're at Temple. Temple is struggling. 0-3 and 4 haven't won anything yet. Uh, then they're back home for SMU October 9th. That's that following Sunday. So they're, they're, the schedule is kind of is getting really spread out, and I think that helps them a little bit. SMU at 5-1 and 3. 
So you have some time after that's Cincinnati. That's a big one. That's a big yeah, one. That's the that's a big one right there. But and then to, they go two, to, to, Tulsa, six, three, and one. So yeah. The thing is, though, this team, they know this. And Coach Sahadek told us this, Jeff, at the beginning of the season. What they cost them last year, the NCAA tournament bid, was losing some uh, matches in conference they shouldn't have lost. I brought up Cincinnati, mm-hmm. for example. That's what kept them out. They know that. Did they learn their lesson from last year? We're going to find out starting next week. Yeah. Last uh, little bit we want to get to here. How about women's golf? And, uh, Bryson, you were following this very intently. You've become our uh, – you become our, our our SVP, like like early early career SVP on uh, UCF golf. The uh, women's program breaks a program record at the Mercedes Benz Intercollegiate, and Pat Pidden wins the individual title. Records being smashed all over the place in Knoxville, Tennessee, for UCF women's golf. This was honestly a, a historic performance for this program. I'm, when um, in fact, when I uh, did a my, a my little Twitter thread after well, after I can't remember which round I think it was after the first round I ended up getting a quote tweet from one of the executive associate ads at UCF that said that this women's golf team was a special group and I think this this tournament really proves that there might be there may be some truth to that most of the team finished in the top 20 overall. You mentioned Pat Pitting got the win. Zoe Lowe and Anna Nordforce both finished in a tie for 13th at three under par. And true freshman Pimpissasusutham, a nickname Sandwich, was finished in a tie for 16th at one under. So, th- and of course, that, that 834, they that beat their program record, but I that I believe was like seven strokes before. And Pat Pitten, she also has the she she has now the lowest 54 hole to par score in program history and the second lowest 54 hole stroke total in program history, which which is actually just two strokes behind the mark she herself set when she shot a 200 back at Old Dominion last season. So there is a whole bunch that you can say about Pitten and this women and this women's golf team they also of course have the the women's amateur champion and just ba- and just baker as well i i think this this group is has a lot of talent behind it and they've already gotten off to a great start to the season so far and i think this season has solidified the fact that i think this is going to be a group to watch yeah and then the men's team also they they won the uh hartford hawks invitational for the fifth straight year, they finished minus 35 as a team. Louis Carrera uh, also won the individualist medalist, individual medalist uh, with a score of 200 even, 16 under par. Uh, and UCF fired their lowest, according to their release here, lowest round in program history in the second round combined. They shot 266, that's 22 under par. Uh, beating the old record achieved at the FAU Invitational in 2019 of 268, which was 20 under. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think you can start the season much better than that. <laughs> I would oh, I would say so. Carrera also actually shot the second lowest 18-hole score in program history thanks to his second round 63. Ever since that he won the Canadian men's amateur over the offseason, I was very impressed to see that because – Last season, this team barely squeaked into the regional. Like, um, this is one of the reasons why I think this was a very good start to the season because they did they did well in the tournament last year. That 829, 35 under they finished with, that's the score they had last year at this tournament. 
and the, but through the rest of the year it was it was touch and go and they barely made the and they barely made the regional and I, one of the reasons i think they did was because they had two really good golfers and johnny travale and teddy tic-tac travale is back this year he also actually finished tied for second in this one just behind Carrera at um it, with the, also the same score that he had last year with 205 11 under par but they need another person to replace Teddy T-Tac to, to pair up with Chevalier that can help at least bare minimum get them to the region into the regional. And I think Louis Carrera has the potential to be that because I've seen some good improvement over the, over the course of the beginning of last season, either him or Igor Iroshenko, who's coming into his junior se- junior season. He finished in a tie for 12th place at one under par and Arkansas transfer Juan Camilo Vesga and true freshman Chase Haygood also had some solid performances. So I'm interested, I'm interested to see what this men's golf team. It's a good start to the season, but I'm, I would like to see what else they can do moving forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, five straight in the, uh, in, at the, at that one invitation. Why does Hartford keep inviting us? We keep winning their tournament. Maybe that's why they're moving out of division three. Right. Uh, all right. So that's going to, uh, anything else we got? I don't think so. I think we're in pretty good shape. Like I said, it's cross country history got made. Oh, cross country. Yeah. I wanted to get that in real quick. Oh yeah. So, uh, so, so basically they were at the North Alabama showcase and Isabella Richardson. We, I talked to her, her, her video from the, from the UCF invites up on the black and gold banner at YouTube channel. She finished 17th place overall, but her 17, 12.38 time in the 5k, her second official 5k on American soil, by the way, is the fourth fastest in program history, blowing past the freshman record by over by more than 30 seconds and just barely under third place. Absolutely amazing performance by Isabella Richardson. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to get that in because congrats to Isabella. She's the new star of this team on the cross country team. I can't wait to see what she does in the track and field season too. So, all right. That's going to do it for us here at the Black and Gold Banneret. Remember, you can follow us at uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for UCF sports. Follow us on social media all over the place. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on YouTube. Hit the YouTube channel and get all the latest uh, from us uh, at press conferences, post games, you name it. And we are on Twitter at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. You can follow us individually, Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo. It's Bryson Turner. Also, uh, Stat Boy Drew for Andrew. Uh, and also, uh, the SOTG for the student of the game uh, to file Kyle. Follow Kyle. Underscore DS Warden. That's Derek Warden for our, uh, one of our two photographers, along with the Noah Goldberg, other photographer. Fantastic work, guys. Appreciate it. Another busy week rolling through. Again, Saturday, 4 p.m., Georgia Tech, boys. The Yellow Jackets are coming to town. Is Jeff Collins going to be staying here? I don't know. It's going to be, uh, but you know, either way, hey, UCF is favorite for this game. Should be good. Nice afternoon kickoff. Maybe we'll get a nice, a beautiful sunset evening. And uh, oh, you know what else too? Real quick, as we get out of here, rocket launch scheduled for uh, uh, for Saturday at about seven thirty. SpaceX from the Cape. So that should be good as we're heading home. Are you doing PA for that? For the rocket launch? No. Yeah, you're gonna watch. I would love to. I'm going to watch it from the press box. I'll probably give everybody a heads up if it's happening. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I- I'm excited. What what a day. What a huge day. It's going to be great. All right. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff Sharon Singh. Thanks for listening. 
Go Knights. Charge on. We'll, so- we'll talk to you for Night Shift on Saturday night.